I wanted to start out asking a question that I ask a lot of the artists who we bring on the series, uh, just about your kind of initiation into free and out music. And if you can relay maybe an early musical experience or something, a memory that kind of dictated your path into either improvised music explicitly or just, you know, weirder, more fringier musics, uh, you know, where, when was the moment that something kind of clicked that that was something that you wanted to pursue? Yeah, I, um, I mean, I think uh, while I was in school, I started listening to uh, list, or teachers were sort of bringing in things and uh, getting me to listen to certain records. But uh, I think, I mean, there, there's like this actual moment where uh, I basically met um, everyone in the improvising community here in Toronto uh, on the same night where there was like this open call for um, a piece for 25 saxophones by my friend Kyle Brenders. Uh, and I, I didn't, I mean, I was in school, I was in jazz school and I showed up um, and didn't even know what was happening. Like on the score, I didn't know what multiphonics were. I didn't, so I was just pretty confused um, sitting there and everyone was really helping me out. And when we went to perform it, uh, we also, the other band on the bill was uh, 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 a bunch of people doing uh, Coltrane's Ascension. So um, I feel like that was a pretty uh, major moment. I literally met everyone that I play with now, um, uh, along like a ton of saxophone players that were here in the city. Uh, and I started showing up to a lot of those shows and um, improvising a lot at, um, this venue called the Transac, which we have here, which has been really a, a really important home for um, out music and uh, anyone basically trying to, you know, experiment with with what they're doing, their craft and their uh, it's not just music like you can walk in there and there's a few rooms and at any moment or any given night, you, you know, there'd be like a knitting circle in one room and then music happening in another and you know, a theater performance in the back. Um, so uh, that moment was, was, you know, this entry way into improvised music, but it was also this like really massive entryway to uh, this community that I'm a part of here um, uh, that I love dearly. Um, and I'm really lucky and grateful to be a part of. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird to be able to actually pinpoint this moment, it's kind of like meeting people, like some of my friends, I remember the exact moment and exactly what we're doing when we first met. And some people I have no idea, but that, that it really is this major moment in my life where it's like, what is this music? And what are, what are these sounds? Like, what are they doing? And why are they doing that? And I want, I would like to also do that. Um, uh, yeah. And it's cool to think of that moment or think on that moment and that night and to be here, like whatever, 15 years later, I'm like, Oh yeah, those are all my buds now and my heroes. And, um, yeah. So I'd say that. Fantastic. It's, it, 
I've never been to Toronto except for, you know, a very brief layover at the airport. <laughs> but it's such a I a lot of my closest friends also you know, I I met you through our mutual friend Dan Penser. Shout, Shout out, out to Dan Penser. Also a, a brilliant saxophonist and and woodwind player um whom we love and it's it seems like such a rich community of musicians uh that are all brilliant and unfortunately like it not known as much here at least in Chicago or in it's probably there's more exchange on the east coast but i would love to have you know more folks come down here and uh and interact <laughs> wanted to ask you about your techniques on the saxophone and maybe if you could describe how you develop new sound techniques and a little bit just about your practice of working through either multiphonics or any other extended sonic techniques that you work on and, and what that process is like for you. Yeah, I, I really got into multiphonics. I'm like, this is just fucking cool. Like, it just sounds cool. And it uh, I started kind of getting curious about, um, you know, as an instrument that plays one note at a time, I'm like, it'd be really cool to play more than one note once in a while. Um, and to sort of start starting to think about harmonic possibilities. But uh, I mean, there's also physics to the instrument of where you're sort of lifting your finger. Like there are, I think, stock ones. And then if you just sort of transpose up, then you get, you know, these other possibilities. But I think um, a large part of my saxophone playing, I think for a while there was trying to not sound like a saxophone. Um, uh, I think I worked a really long time. I mean, I'm re I'm just really generally interested in in tone and textures and timbres. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. There was a while there I, I got to I got a grant to go study in Europe and I got to study with saxophone section of the ICP. Um, so, you know, up bars, Michael Moore and Toby Delius and those three really helped me sort of sort of you know were they were sort of guiding me through this way to find my own sounds and find my own vocabulary I mean I think you know I I went through jazz school and uh I had a kind of a tricky time there like it was a little bit hard for me um but you know the instrument and my you know my sound and phrasing is coming from jazz but uh it was just way more exciting to me to sort of think about possibilities and and yeah maybe think more on sounds than melodic or harmonic vocabulary though that's I mean it's obviously in there too but um yeah yeah so I think uh just through listening and through playing with others and being like well that's you know that's a bowed bass but I want to sound like that I wonder if I could sound like that on on a saxophone or how many sounds can I discover on this thing without uh, going too quickly to things like like pedals or 
or um, plugins or these things that I've just only recently started getting into. Um, it's been really cool to just really find a way to uh, get a large range of sounds acoustically from my instrument before uh, seeking other, yeah, other options or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I, I really love the thing that you said in there about uh, just considering like the properties of the instrument and what it is designed to do and what it's designed not to do, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in the saxophone's case, like it's not designed to play multiple sounds at once. It's designed mm -hmm. to have one nice, beautiful, classical, smooth <laughs> sound uh, at one pitch at a time, right? Yeah. Um, I, I identify with that a lot with guitar of just recognizing the things that a guitar can do really brilliantly, very easily, and the things that it you know, has no business doing. Um, yeah, but like with with guitar, there's there's the limitation of like having a sustained attack on something, right? Because you're either plucking and then immediately the sound is dying off and and mm -hmm. decaying, or you you pluck it again. Um, so there's not much room, like as originally conceived, to like push. You know, you can't push air through a guitar the way that you push air through a wind instrument. So uh, just That's that that process so of like finding the limitation and trying to push through it and finding the solution to it is like something that's mm. really beautiful and brilliant about uh, you know working with an instrument. That's super interesting, just because I've been playing a lot more guitar uh, through and bass through the pandemic, and I've actually been like, oh my god, it's just ringing all the time. Like I've actually been trying to figure out how to mute it more. Mm -hmm. so I had a friend that was talking about sort of guitar playing being like more about muting things. I was like, oh yeah, it's really hard. To, but then also if it is ringing, it's really nice. And and yeah, just finding where those limits are. I, I mean, I, I'm also really sensitive. I've, um, there's a lot of airy spittiness that sort of comes with playing uh, saxophone and I've uh, been trying to like, oh, well, can I actually use this on purpose or like try and embrace that and not get too like, cause sometimes I'm like, ah, I can still hear the spit <laughs> rattling around in my mm -hmm, mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. But um, like one of the videos later like I was like well maybe I should actually just do that on purpose um and see if I can find a way to use it in a way that's satisfactory to me or yeah it's fun yeah, yeah like I think improvising is really um given that to to me I'm sure for lots of us of just you know being like well you know what can I or yeah what can I do with this thing or this is what I have and like what where can I go with this <laughs> Jeff Lippman asks if you can talk about the scene in Toronto, uh, where people play and who the main folks are, et cetera. 
Yeah, I, there was actually um, a, a friend, Jesse, uh, had written a Bandcamp feature on uh, the scene in impro- improvising scene in Toronto, and I thought uh, it Is was really Jesse well, Locke. Jesse Locke, yeah, Shout you know out Jesse? To Jesse Locke, a little bit. Oh my God, crazy! Okay, through, the, yeah. through the internet, not in person. Yeah. <laughs> he's um, he's amazing. Uh, basically, any. Uh, nice press I have is is because of him because he's just so nice and uh, has been really supportive um but in in this article you know he, he speaks to a few people and he, he broke it uh, or my one friend Pete uh Johnston sort of broke it down in this uh way that I was like that's actually totally what's happening I haven't really thought about it where there's sort of a straight ahead jazz scene there's an improvising scene and then there's also this sort of uh singer songwriter left uh scene and and a lot of, uh, I, I think, members of our community sort of dip in and out of uh, a few of those. Um, but uh, I had mentioned the Transac earlier. I can't really, uh, you know, speak enough about it. That place is like my second home. Um, that's definitely one of the main places we have, um, as well as the Music Gallery, which um, started was started by the CCMC, uh, so like Michael Snow and John Oswald and these people. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's... I mean, there's a lot of improvisers here and everyone sort of engages with it, um, you know, in, in different ways. I feel like there's a lot of like like pretty f- purely free uh, improvisers. There are ones that are trying to work with compositions. Um, there's definitely a lot of uh, cool and strange songwriting um, happening with, you know, weird arrangements and, and instrumentation. Um, yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, a lot of, uh, I kind of wanted to ask you actually about the Chicago scene. Cause I feel like early on, I, I got to play with Hamid Drake at one point and he was sort of talking about, he's like, you know, Chicago and Toronto actually have a lot to share. And it's, it's totally true. There are just things about our cities that are, um, really similar. Like we both have these lake fronts. Yours is much nicer. <laughs> Ours is sort of, uh, there's a highway before you get to it. So it's not so nice. Uh, I think we both have second city <laughs> um we you know both cities have uh pretty ridiculously high rent you know um yep. so i'm i'm sort of feeling like you know even before the pandemic like we we're really feeling feeling that um sort of uh um pressure of just how to survive in a city that's really expensive um so uh, there are a lot of musicians who are slowly moving out of the city and so it's just kind of funny to think about like oh yeah who's here and I'm just like I don't know and it's it's I'm sure it's the same the same in a lot of cities where things are getting really fragmented the shows that have uh been happening which are very few and far between are outdoors and just sort of like backyard shows um where Canada is pretty far behind the states in that way where that um shows aren't quite happening indoor or they have literally just begun like in the last couple weeks um so the scene or the community's a little bit fragmented right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. sort of makes me curious to see how we're going to come out of this. Like everyone wants to get going again and wants to play. Um, I think a lot of people have, we have grants in Canada. So there are these grant projects that are very project based. So when we're thinking about just improvisers, like, you know, I would have a monthly at the Transac and I can just get whoever together and improvise, but we haven't really had the chance to do that. So now it's really project based and, which is great, but that's one, you know, aspect of our scene, but really missing uh, that other aspect of it where we can just kind of get together and see what happens. Um, 
So I don't know. Um, anyway, check out that article. It's great. I think it, it really um, highlights all of uh, you know, a lot of my favorite. It, it's by no means a you know a fully you know extensive list, but it's it's a lot of people I really admire and friends. Um, Lena Alamano is a great trumpet player who splits her time between here and Berlin. Brody West, uh, Brody West is <laughs> my hero. He's um, he's a wonderful saxophone player that has a few different projects. Um, Pete Johnston, Rob Clutton, Nick Fraser, and a lot of us have had a lot of. Um, you know, uh, or fortunate enough to travel a lot uh, just through uh, playing with other people or our own things. And so um, these are the people that tend to uh, get a lot of attention. And, and But there are so many people in little pockets of, of our scene that, um, well, we got to we gotta get you up so you can <laughs> meet yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah there, there's a certain element there that you spoke about that felt very familiar to Chicago in terms of the level of exchange between like weirdo improvisers and straight ahead jazz musicians and like pop groups and 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 weird rock bands and songwriters um, and that's how we came together was our, our our friend Dan and you both were were touring well the first time I met you very briefly was with Andy Shelf who's a great mm -hmm. songwriter and the second time more recently was with Weather Station where there was a convergence also of those two bands and seeing the network of like cool amazing brilliant musicians who are just like touring in those groups and are all close buddies it was really wonderful to like witness that convergence too yeah um, macy the Toronto like, scene in chicago yeah <laughs> get, we're also getting to you know randomly meet macy and i guess you guys are in a band mm. together too right like that's yeah awesome. with with uh ken vandermark who also okay uh, the series with me so all you know all the uh the networks are being networked in there yeah. We're all connected. We're all one giant web. <laughs> mycelial network here. Um, yeah, it's it's something that has always been one of my favorite things about the Chicago scene and something that drew me here or back here when I finished school um, was just that amount of like just exchange between different like like genre doesn't really matter in a certain sense because it's just musicians playing with musicians and that's a beautiful thing to me it's very like not uh sequestered you know off by genre which is cool yeah Pete um, said something in that article i'm talking about that uh uh it was something uh, along the lines of like it's really more about the personalities than it is about the genre or or the music uh mm -hmm. that's happening which i i thought i was like yeah that's really that's really it because i think you know in andy's band and, and a lot of and, and tamra's band too it's it's a lot of improvisers that make up that band and it's yep. You know, like a lot of us went to school, but not all of us. And I think it's more that these personalities that um, feel good to travel with and and to um, be open to things. And uh, yeah, really, is about and and no meaning of improvising too. Right? That's like whether it's material based or not. It's really that's sort of my my interest as well as these personalities and like what happens when these personalities are being confronted with each other or working off of each other. That's really um, yeah, that's that's what does it for me. It's the people or whatever. Yeah, I love it. That's always about the people. Yeah, I love that.
Peter asks, uh, once the U.S. border opens, will you be on the road for 2022? Uh, and if you have any tours planned there or in Europe? Yeah, um, I guess, I mean, we're down there before it opened, I guess, when I yeah. saw you. I mean, we uh, I think those of us that have visas, um, you know, we were able to come down early. Um, it it I I just don't know what is happening with my life. <laughs> it's like there's a lot of uh, maybes. I think that um, there is a lot of things that got postponed from 2020 um, mm -hmm. that I have to keep in mind. Um, but, you know, um, there there's a lot of possibilities. I mean, I have been I, I got to spend a summer in New York and it was really great. I'm really uh, uh, hoping and waiting to get to go back down there um, just to hang out. I don't even care if I play. I just want to hang and watch the music. Um, and Europe, certainly, like I, I have to be there uh, in April. So I was hoping we'll we'll see how it goes. I know it's just it's just so strange to have to figure out how to plan things. Mm -hmm. But um, it would be great to set something up to go over there because it's been a while since I've been able to go there, too. I mean, it's been a long time for everyone to, you know, nobody's been able to go anywhere. But um, Europe in particular, too, I haven't played there in a bit like I, I usually get to uh if I'm on tour there and I like run away for a night to go visit Jasper or like uh go to Amsterdam for a night or or hang out in Berlin it's it's really nice and it's been a uh, more than a few years now like a, a couple years you know previous to the lockdown so uh I really want to make it work we're gonna make it we're gonna I'm gonna make it work we're gonna figure it out and uh, yeah, and go over there. So, I mean, that's a really long-winded answer of yes, maybe. <laughs> uh, Peter Goff, come on, so so great. Peter's such a such a sweetheart. Um, thanks, Peter, for <laughs> asking a question. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, while we're on the topic of Europe, I I realize I didn't really ask you about your time in Amsterdam and what that was like for you and your like development as a musician, because I'm sure that was oh. completely, you know, mind blowing and fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I think back often to, um, that maybe if I were just in slightly of a, you know, earlier or younger or, you know, not so developed mindset, I, I would have like had a breakdown or something because there were some really well-placed pointed questions that I might not have been ready to be faced with, you know, but it was exactly the right time, you know, and, and I think um, I had a really, really great time there and I really uh, connected uh, connected with Michael and Ab. Um, Toby, I got to see once in Berlin, but I didn't get to hang with him quite as much, but um, the community there, like Jasper and John Dykeman and all these people, um, I had a just a wonderful time. And they're just uh, Marta. I don't know. These people are really wonderful people and it's great music. And I, I love it there. I don't know if I would live there. I know it's like any city. It's hard. It's expensive. And everyone's kind of floating around all the time uh, outside of the city. But um, yeah, it was a really educational time musically but also it was just like a, such a nice hang um yeah I feel like there was a was one like pointed uh question where I think he was just like oh you do this thing like why do you do that thing all the time I think we're talking <laughs> about like 
crutches, like, you know, like these mm-hmm. like things that you rely on. And I was just like, oh, I don't really know. And I think he was like, well, that's not a good answer. And I was just like, you're right. It's not. Why do I do anything? Or I just had this like, yeah. I don't know. I just uh, tumbled into. But it was just kind of cool that I I guess I just had to had to think about or, or just uh, check myself to see if I was, you know, sometimes on autopilot or something or doing things playing things or reacting in a way that I thought was expected of me or something, or, you know, all those kind of hard questions are uh, just all like, for whatever reason, bubbled up all in like one lesson in one day. And I like left and was like, losing. I was having like this existential crisis, but then to also, you know, come back and be like, wait a second, I did it. Cause I felt like it, you know? And like, if I had just answered that way, he would have been like, great, you know, <laughs> and it wouldn't have been a big deal, but I think it was cool to draw attention or, you know, sometimes, or my friend Michael, the uh, another Michael was saying the other day about how, you know, sometimes things are asked or said not to be taken necessarily literally or explicitly. Like they're sometimes questions are posed or statements are said just to sort of, you know, get you to draw your attention to something and get you to, to think about mm-hmm. it. Um, so it was really, really uh, like I, I really feel like uh, my playing really changed after just spending time thinking a little bit and then, and then you know, spending the next bunch of years trying not to think (laughs) that old thing you know yeah man it's always the the really short simple questions that are the ones that dig the deepest and really like you know knock you off your your course I remember uh in a lesson with Joe Morris once playing you know duo as most of our lessons were I I think at a certain point he like pointed to my left hand was like you start every phrase with your first finger why are you doing that you know like have you considered that you have three other fingers on your <laughs> left hand like, what, you know and it was like it's it's a very simple thing it was like that's a very good point okay i'll <laughs> think about that all right <laughs> interesting um yeah. but yeah it's it's always i always love hearing those like teaching nuggets of like what is also as a teacher now is like what what i can uh you know what I can, what really like opens up the uh, the process for someone is always really interesting to me. curious I mean all this uh talk because we teach as well in Chicago and I mean what's the scene like there like I'm wondering uh I'm just curious I don't know (laughs) yeah there's it's it's a really it it I mean the pandemic has been the pandemic as it has been in a lot of places and there's a lot of like uh 
a, a chilling like effect that it's had on everything for very obvious reasons. Um, but for the past half a decade or so, I mean, in the period of time that I've been here and been active, you know, I, I moved back here after school and I think 2013. So I've been here for about eight years. Um, and I feel like it really, it, it goes in waves because there are people who are super active and make things happen for a period of time. And then, you know, as it happens with every place, one person leaves and that activity needs to be replaced in some way and maybe mm. does it for a period of time. Um, but I feel like the last few years have been like a really positive, active time here that have, to me, been really beautiful to witness. And there's like a whole... Uh, like young generation of improvisers that have kind of come up and, and become super active and, you know, the way that they also interact with like the really established people who kind of perhaps were like the young musicians coming up in the nineties or the early two thousands. It's, it's a really like age varied scene that I think is, it's a beautiful thing. And there is that crossover still of like, you know, so many different beautiful types of music, uh, you know, working together in, in a million different, you know, projects. So, um, yeah, it sounds very similar to Toronto, actually. But. Well, yeah, you know, I think about, um, uh, yeah, what I really admired about that Amsterdam scene when I was there, like, I, I, I consider sort of Jasper and them sort of what seemed like a younger generation. And, uh, you know, there was this, like, the golden years of, like, Ab and all of these people. And, uh I think there was like a really long time where it, it, the city got expensive and things sort of like that momentum sort of, and then like this like crew of young, you know, musicians came up and just wanted to play and didn't care with who. And so there's this beautiful mix that started to happen where mm -hmm. they're all playing together. And I was just like, wow, that's really great. It was really beautiful to, to watch. And I think about, um, yeah, like I certainly see that in the very limited, uh, you know, of what I know of Chicago, I'm certainly seeing that now and and i wonder about toronto i'm like you know uh, is there like i don't i don't know there like are am i the younger or is there is there someone underneath or is, how is this going to mm -hmm. work because i definitely do feel the sort of like if a couple people leave uh i mean lena's a big one if she, you know when she's always gone there's like the stalling of a bunch of those projects or um or there's only a few of us that are are, are setting up shows and that if mm -hmm. we stop then what happens and I don't think there should be any shame in stopping like you know things can stop right. and end but yeah it makes me wonder I'm like but then who would like would anyone take it up or what what's going to happen I, I don't know it, it brings up a lot of those kinds of questions it makes me curious um and a lot of it has to do with space too like it like I, you guys have a few venues to choose from to play yeah or? it's it's always been interesting here uh you know, I, I went to school in Boston, which actually at the time when I moved here was way more expensive and probably still is way more expensive there than it is mm. here. And that was kind of like a reason that I ended up coming back was like right. there was like a little bit less of a constraint on like super high rent and like needing to figure stuff out right away. Mm. Um But, oh, my God, I forgot what your initial. Oh, just um, like what. Is, spaces you, you oh have spaces to, yeah. yeah so the reason i brought up boston is like boston has a very weird like venue situation where at least when i was there it felt like none of the like legacy established venues in town were really accessible to anyone mm -hmm. and so there was so much that was happening in like basements and there was like 
a really weird, beautiful thing that happened where there was like a lot of, as we've talked about a lot already tonight, like lots of weird rock bands and like super weird noise artists and performance artists and improv stuff that was all kind of like thrown together because the only spaces you could really make things happen were in someone's like moderately dangerous claustrophobic basement in New England, which is like not a nice space, but it is like what what kind of made a lot of that activity what it was. Um, and here, weirdly, like there are established venues who generally, you know, it, over the past year, it's been really interesting to see because I feel like with a couple notable exceptions, like a lot of the established venues banded together and like tried to figure out a safe way to like stick this out. Mm. Um, and so it is weirdly like a venue town. It does feel like sometimes, um, which I think is kind of unique in some ways, strangely. Um, mm. But they, you know, it does feel more accessible in a way than it did you know, I can only speak from my own experience. I can't speak for other people, but uh, living in Boston, that was always like the challenge was like, what, what, you know, what club actually wants to book something that isn't like a guaranteed moneymaker yeah. for them? It was very difficult there. And it feels like it's a little bit more relaxed here in that mm. sense. But yeah, it's hard here too. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know that there are that many, like we have our sort of few options, but I, I was, you know, everyone's pretty worried about all of them mm -hmm. uh, through the pandemic and, and uh, yeah, they made it through. So, but I, I do think about, you know, that this time that I spent in, in Brooklyn, where it's just like, there are tons of like DIY spots that were amazing. And uh, we lost like our only, our, our last DIY spot uh, closed, like, four or five years ago, you know? Um, yeah. And it's, uh, I wonder, cause it's just, it is kind of crazy when you think about it, you're like, who would be willing to like live and have people through their space all the time. And it's just like, yeah, like doors are like not hanging off or like, but those are the spaces that you can kind of do whatever, you know, like, um, right. and, and the housing thing is, is like a piece of it that you can't not consider. Yeah. Like yeah. What rent is what communities are the communities that like you can build those kinds of scenes. When I moved mm -hmm. here, there was, I, I could be wrong in this, but I feel like there was a lot more DIY activity here at that time. And it's kind of, I mean, obviously the pandemic, if there was any left, like pandemic had a, an extremely chilling effect on that too, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it is, I always, I don't know, it's very interesting to kind of try to observe those waves and how that, uh, how that affects like the cultural output in a place. Totally. I mean, it just, it, it just feels like, I, I feel like that's what I'm really missing from the city now is just a place where you can kind of do whatever. There is this like crazy basement spot that um, a few of us have been playing at. Um, and it's just it, like it's such an impossible space. I mean, it's like a really thin, long basement. The the ceiling is made out of, out of like tin. <laughs> it's like concrete floors. I was like, ah, I don't know about this. And it sounds great in there for no reason at all. I don't know why, but it's really small. And, you know, they're really nice to us there. Like, I, I guess that's just it. Just people who are like not after um, money. They just want like they get it kind of like they're like, oh, it's really small down there and everyone else is up here. So do whatever you want. And it's not going to like, you know, don't worry about bothering us or anything and it's like great like i mean i don't think it's not it's not to be like oh are we gonna bother you but it's just like some of that music is pretty like you know confrontational and uh some 
someone who's just there for like trivia night or whatever might not <laughs> want to be yeah. confronted I mean, it, with that. Yeah. Yeah. It always comes down to, I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot to be said also about like who's welcomed into certain spaces and when it's a not, like explicitly a non-commercial venture, then that, you know, it typically tends to be a lot more accessible to a lot of different types of art and people and, you know, totally all, all of that. Um, need more of those. I'm hoping. That's right. Hopefully it comes back soon in a safe yeah. uh, manner for everybody. Before we close it out, we have one more video piece oh, yeah. um, to present. I just wanted to ask if you wanted to preface this last video with anything. Uh, this is a piece that this is sort of, uh, well, I, I made it with uh, my, my friend Max, who um, so graciously uh, lent me uh, some raw abstracted uh, video footage uh, for me to mess around with. But uh, basically, a, a friend in Halifax, where I'm going to next week uh, for for a bit, uh, he asked me to to uh, submit like pr pretty much the kinds of videos that I gave to YouTube. But it was at a moment where I was just like, I really, I just really don't want to send a thing of just me playing in a room. I mean, I felt that with this too. And and uh, <laughs> if it wasn't for my phone falling over, I probably would have not given that, but I was like, yeah, that's pretty fun. Um, but anyway, so I, I just, I really wanted to make a thing where there was visuals with it, but I, I've been, you know, the thing that I did over the pandemic was I got into home recording and I, I don't know anything. <laughs> like, I mean, I, it seems that nobody knows anything, which is great. Like you just kind of figure it out and that's great. Um, but I, I don't even use pedals or anything. So just think, mm -hmm. thinking of sound uh, electronically was all very, very new to me. So this is sort of a, uh, a product of that time where I was messing around with a lot of um, sounds and, and just recording at home and, and knitting things together and seeing what that would be like. Uh, and then got to use Max's awesome visuals uh, so that I didn't have to give a video of me playing in my room because <laughs> that's boring. <laughs> and I, don't think I could handle uh, looking at myself for that long. Anyway, uh, so that's what this is, and yeah, and and thanks. I'm glad we got to like chat. Yeah. We literally just like met each other like in the like hordes of people at Pitchfork, and I'm glad that I get to yeah like actually get to know I'm you. Glad this bit. came together like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
Mm-hmm. 